We've been talking a lot about money. Today is our final message in the series, It's Not About the Money. Hope it's been a blessing to you. Today we're going to be thinking about how to use our money. There are so many good ways to use it, and to help illustrate that, I have three young friends who are going to come up here and help me. So if you're one of my uh, three volunteers, come on up here. There we go. Where's our third one? There we go. Hey, I have a question for each one of these volunteers. But first, I have $5 for each of you. $5 that you get to keep. Or use however you want. And then I'm going to ask you the question, how would you like to use that $5? What do you say? Uh, He wants to come back to you? Huh? You want to let Esther go and then come back to you? Think about it for a minute. How would you like give, to use... Go ahead. Give the, my money to the people in church. Wow, you got, you got some lucky people in church today. All right, thank you. Ruger, how would you, how would you like to use that $5? Um, I would... Uh, help other people and give it to other people. That's such a good answer. Esther. Give it to my friends. You know, when I asked you in your hall, you said something about ice cream too. Do you want to use it for ice cream? You could buy friends. Uh, you could buy uh, ice cream for your friends. Okay, now I'm going to have you think really big. If you had $5,000 and you were supposed to do something good with it, like that's a lot of money. You could do a lot of money. So, Elliot, if you had lots and lots of money, what could you do to help people? Give money to give the money. That'd be a helpful thing. What do you think, Ruger? Um, I would buy lots of toys for kids and give it to them. That's a fun idea. You could have a lot of fun doing that, too, because you could pick them out and give them. Esther, if you had 5000 what would you use it for? Buy a bunch of clothes. Wow! Well, thank you. Hey, you, for helping out today and helping us understand how many ways there are to use your money, you guys each get $5, and thank you for doing that. Give them a hand. There are just so many ways to use our money. And we think of the big ones like the basic things in life, housing and cars and food. But then if we made a list and we were honest, we could make a pretty big list of smaller things that are not essential but add up. You know, the, the drink that costs $5 or that little fee they charge at the ATM that you don't think about but it's there. All these little tiny things that add up. So many ways use our money. So I went on Shopify.com and I found what is currently trending for ways to use our money. So these are products that are currently, if you were to sell products online, these would be the hottest ones to sell. You want to know what the currently most trending product is? Doormats. That's how people are using their money right now is doormats. So doormats is currently trending, but it's up from last year. It's up a whole 150% in 2020. So doormats, and apparently all this time at home has got people thinking about how to use money around their house. 
because storage containers, household storage containers, in 2021, their orders online are up 276% from last year. And kitchen towels are at 179%. And so also on this list, I think there's 12, but interesting on this list that people are using their money right now for bike saddles and temporary tattoos and needle craft patterns. These are the things in our world right now people are spending money on. And there's an infinite list of other things we could add of ways we could spend our money. And it makes me a little nervous to stand here and tell you all how to spend your money because I am, I'm not really interested in finances all that much and I'm not an expert, but the Bible has some really good ideas about how we could spend our money. So we're going to open to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to see in 1 Timothy chapter 6 uh, at least five ways, really good ways, to use the money you have. So you might still be opening there, but we're just going to pause wherever you're at and we're going to pray over this study. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for what you trust us with. And I pray that something in this message, since it's from your word, that something in this message would grab our hearts, would draw us to you, and help us to use what you've given us better. So we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll notice right away when you're reading that it's about the rich. So this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. So Paul is writing a letter. says, as for the rich in this present age. So everything to come is what Paul thinks the rich people should do with their money. And he does not condemn the people for being rich. He actually gives them ideas of how they could use their money because wealth and Christianity are not incompatible. If God has blessed you in a way that you make money or that you have a lot of assets, that does not mean you can't be a sincere, good Christian. It means that the Bible has ways of instructing you on how to use that blessing from God well. It is not a shameful thing for you to have wealth. Think, oh man, I need to be a servant and just give it all away. God can use it when it's in your bank account and you're doing good things with it. So he says, as for the rich, he doesn't condemn them, he instructs them. And as we're talking about rich people, maybe you've wondered... Anyone ever here ever thought, you see someone who's rich and you think, if I was rich like them, I'd be a better rich person than they are? And I think if we're honest, we've seen someone who has a whole lot more than us spending it in a way that we think is frivolous, and we think, man, I, if I was trusted with that money, I would use it in all these good ways. Well, it doesn't really matter how much we have. So the message today is not just for those who think they have a lot, because we may not be able to choose how much we have, but we can choose how we use the things we do have. And every one of us has something we can use in a good or a bad way. So I'm going to highlight five ways to use money. And the first one is use money to set your hope on God. So you read it right here in the text. This is the full verse 17. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hope on, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. So that was, uh, those two 
first things. Don't be haughty or set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. We kind of covered that in sermon number two when we talked about the dangers or the uh, pitfalls of wealth, pride, and false security. So don't have those things. But instead of setting your hope on those things, Paul says, set your hope on God. This is kind of a strange thing. The first thing is that money can actually focus us on our hope in God. Anyone find that a bit ironic? We could actually let every financial gain be a cue for us to praise God for everything he gives. And we could let every financial loss be a reminder that that's not our security, but our security is in Christ. And actually, we have it written on every paper dollar bill and printed on every coin in the U.S. We have four words, in God we trust. Isn't it amazing that on the very thing that we trust, that we make an idol of, our nation has actually printed the words, in God we trust? You know how that got there? So it happened in the Civil War era. The first coins that had the words, in God we trust, came printed as early as 1864. And there's a time when the nation was feeling a great dependence on God because uh, war was dividing the nation. And so those who were religious said, God, you, you're the only one that can get us through this. And there was a, a man uh, who led the treasury at that time. His last name was Chase. And in 1861, this is what he wrote, arguing that we should put the words in God we trust on coins. He says, no nation can be strong except its strength be of God or safe except his, it, God is his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our nation's coins. And ever since that time, it's been a controversial thing because people who don't trust God have argued that this is just unconstitutional. We shouldn't put in God we trust on money. There's a separation of church and state. And so we want in God we trust off the money and we want uh, one nation under God out of the pledge. And when we take an oath, we don't want to have to say, so help me God. But there's other reasons this has been controversial, and one of them, uh, President Theodore Roosevelt, said, putting in God we trust on money is irreverent. It's pretty close to being sacrilegious, he says. So it kind of went up and down. Some coins had it, some coins didn't, until another war reaffirmed our uh, commitment to the phrase. So after the World War II, the Cold War era, in 1955, there was a bill passed by Eisenhower that, that required now all paper money and all coins would have this, these four words, in God we trust. And it was a year later that the nation actually made those four words the motto. It was just before that that we, that we added uh, those words and we, we say them in the pledge. So in God we trust is on every piece of paper money. Here's what I would encourage us to do. Let's take those words, they're physically on our, on our money, but let's take those words spiritually. Every time we interact with money, let it be a cue to remind you that your trust is properly placed in God. In the Cold War era, when we reaffirmed this phrase, there was a, a red scare. Everyone was afraid of communism. And this, these are the words of House of Representatives Charles Bennett. And Charles Bennett said, In these days, when imperialistic and materialistic communism seeks to alter and destroy our freedom, 
we should continually look for ways to strengthen the foundation of our freedom. And he continued and he added that those four words in God we trust are a constant reminder. I think they could be that for us too. Like Paul is saying here, Paul says in chapter 17, don't put your hope in the uncertainty of riches, but in God. Every time we interact with money, every paycheck you get, could cue your mind to say, my trust, my hope is in God. And he continues on from there. Uh, Don't let your trust be in riches, but in God, who richly provides with everything to enjoy. So another way to use your money, way number two, is use your money for enjoyment. Now right away when we think of that, we come up with a whole list of cautions, right? There's all these things we, you know, the preacher shouldn't say use your money for enjoyment because what if we become very selfish and greedy and what if we live an out-of-balanced life that's really unjust to to others who don't have much? So if we keep in proper perspective uh, an appropriate humility, an appropriate attitude of service, God wants us to enjoy life, doesn't he? And God gives us things, and he gives different amounts to different people. But whatever God gives you, if your heart is humble and your heart is putting others first, you should seek to enjoy whatever God has given you. Like, the only thing worse than having a whole bunch is having a whole bunch and and being mad about it, right? So, So whatever God has given you, enjoy the thing God has given you. And we see a third point as we continue going. It says, This is verse 18. So the rich, what are they supposed to do with their money? They are to do good. To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. That was quite a bit. I'll read it again. They are to do good. To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. You know, God has a plan for your money. He has all kinds of good ways to use wealth and riches and and even the talents and skills and times you have, time you have, whatever he's given you, he says, I want you to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And I've looked online at all kinds of huge numbers of ways that corporations do good and uh, programs do good in the public. But if you think about your own life, you can think of some people and some situations where you saw someone using their money in a way that was good. And I just think back in my time as a pastor— I think of this one lady in a different church who was a retired doctor and had lots of money. You might not have known it just by looking at her because she wasn't, as the text says, haughty and putting her trust in money. But I knew it because I worked with the treasurer at the church and over a majority of what was given to that church, that small church, it came from her. And every time there was a a young person in the church who wanted to go to summer camp or who wanted to go to an Adventist school, she would quietly pull their parents aside and say, I'd like to sponsor that, that, that child. When there was a church building project and she felt we needed to do something better for the house of God, she would quietly just give her money and say, I want to cover this project. If we could just vote to do this, I'll pay for the whole thing. And she was the kindest, sweetest lady. And she might have had more than maybe I will have, or maybe you will have, but everything she had, she used it to do good. And I had the privilege of leading out in her funeral, and I got to hear story after story of people sharing how this woman used what God gave her to be a blessing in their life. 
I think of another man in a different church who had the training and the skills and, and the qualifications to do a job that would have paid really well. But at that point in his life, he didn't need the money, and he gave his time, like huge amounts of his time, to help the church and the school. And he was there every time we had a need. He was just there doing stuff and helping with things and thinking of ways to improve the ministry there. He gave his, he gave his whole energy into doing good with what God gave him. I think of every church I've been in who's ha that has had a school and the, self, the sacrificial giving to keep that school going and all the worthy student funds, all the subsidies. There's so many ways to do good with your money. I also think of one family who had this beautiful home, big, beautiful home, and they used it to host people and have these wonderful social gatherings and these vespers and these times where we could grow together relationally. They also had this big, beautiful boat, and they used it to treat people to a, an awesome, unforgettable day on the water. These are people who stand out in my mind who had a lot, and they used everything they had to do good. So you might not have those things. You might not have a boat. Maybe you do. But whatever you have, you can use it to do good to those around you. So it says, do good, be generous, and share with those in need. And if you're finding it hard, you know, Every one of us at some point in time found it hard to share. It's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? It's hard to share. Have you ever had the, the opportunity, like been in a position where you actually got to spend somebody else's money? Like maybe you, the company went out to eat and you had the company credit card and you encouraged people to get dessert because, hey, company's paying for it. Or maybe you went out clothes shopping and you felt like you could kind of get whatever you want because your rich aunt was taking you. How do you, you feel differently when you're spending somebody else's money, don't you? A little bit more liberal to spend when it's somebody else's. And how would we live if we just remembered that it's not our money? Like if we lived thinking this is God's money, everything he's given me, it's like I'm on a shopping spree to do good. He's given me a voucher for doing good in this world and it's his money I get to spend. So it doesn't hurt so bad when I have to give it up because it wasn't mine anyway. So one of the ways we can use our money well is doing good to those around us. God does not increase, give us money and increase our wealth to increase our standard of living, but to increase our standard of giving. There's a certain level he wants us to be at so that we can function well, but beyond that, he wants us to become more generous, more loving, helping others with the things he gives us. So the next few verses actually have some connecting words I want to notice. It says in verse 18, be generous and ready to share. Then in verse 19, it says, thus, that's a connecting word. So whatever comes next builds off of doing good and being generous and sharing. It says, thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So a fourth way to use your money well is use your money to build a solid foundation for the future. Now there's so many ways we could take this, but remember there's a connection here between doing good and storing up and having a foundation. So we're going to think pretty deeply on this one. First of all, when you hear building a good foundation, we think of all the responsible things we should do. Like put money in your, your retirement and... Uh, 
save up money so that you have something for an inheritance for your kids in college, and you should do those things. Here's a few scriptures to remind us about how, how awesome it is to be able to give an inheritance. It says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Wouldn't you love to leave your time on this earth knowing that you made a positive difference in the lives of your children's children? So it's a good thing to make, to make a solid foundation. It's a good thing to care for our family with a solid foundation. It says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So that's kind of a level one thought on building a good foundation, but remember it's connected. So the foundation is not just what's in your IRA. It's not a bank account thing. The foundation was doing good. So the storing up treasure was not monetary treasure. It was storing up treasure of doing good to others. So it was not just building a savings account. It was building relationships. You following what he's saying? So this solid foundation is not just how big the dollar number was. It's how much good you're able to do out the way because the good is what builds the foundation. Jesus told this in a parable. He actually said, Jesus actually said, use your money to make friends, which could sh sound shallow, but it was in a parable. You remember the parable? Um, I'll read one of the verses of the parable. It's in Luke 16, verse 9. He says, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So in this parable, there was a manager of money, and he was going to get fired, and he was given notice that he'd be fired. And what he did is he settled accounts with all the people who owed his master, and he, he cut it down. He negotiated. So he tried to find a win-win-win. The people who owed money were happy because they paid less. The person who lent the money was happy because he got paid. And the, the manager was happy because when he was fired, he had a whole bunch of friends. So this man built connections and relationships, and he didn't have the money, but he had a solid foundation because he spent himself building connections with people so that when he didn't have the bank account, he still had a foundation for the future. You follow what he did? So use your money in a way to build connections and relationships, not shallowly buying friendship, but thinking relationally with what you have. How could I use this money to actually get to know people, promote relationship, build connection? Use your money to connect with others. And then it says, store up. So it says, store up these things to make a foundation. And if you think about that word, store up, you'll remember the verse that was read at Scripture reading that said, do not store up for yourselves treasure. And that was the words of Jesus. And then Paul is saying, thus storing up for yourself treasure. So uh, which one should we go with? Jesus who said, don't store up for yourselves treasure, or Paul who says, you should store up for yourselves these things. Well, there's, there's a, a difference between what it said. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, thieves bacon and steel. The focus there is accumulating things for me. Don't do that. Don't make your focus more things for me. But what Paul is saying is store up treasure of doing good to others so that you have a foundation for the future. Store up treasure of good works. Store up all these 
positive connections you have so that in the future you have solid ground to stand on and others around you have solid ground to stand on. And then he continues on, final point. So that, there's another connecting word, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. So following the sequence, there's a process here in verse 18 and 19. He says, do good, thus storing up treasure and building a foundation, so that, so the whole point of all that, doing good and the foundation, is that you may take hold of what is truly life. So Jesus talks a lot about these things. He says, John 10, 10, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So if you aren't aware of it, Jesus has a huge passion for having you come alive, to be fully alive, to be embracing the life he's given you, and money can distract from that sort of thing. Money can get us on a different path, and Jesus is saying this whole instruction or Paul is saying this whole instruction to the rich is use your money well so that the end result is you are fully alive. Even though you could have got distracted with that wealth, you are embracing the things that matter in life. So use your money to find true life. We have good instruction from Scripture to do things like get out of debt, right? We have these good responsible things to do with our money. But remember, it's not about the money. The reason that Scripture, like it says in Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender, the reason that Scripture wants us to get out of the debt is to live free. He wants us to find life so that I am not focusing every bit of my energy on just how to survive, but I can grow past that and live free to follow the calling God puts on my heart. This is what Paul says. This is Acts 20, verse 35. He's writing to the believers and saying, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So he's saying, In all these things I've worked hard, and the reason is I've worked hard so that I can help the weak. He goes on to say, I I didn't borrow. I actually earned my own wages. My hard work, the point of my hard work was not to accumulate good things, but that I didn't have to borrow from anyone so that I could be free, available to serve others. So use your money to take hold of life, to set yourself free. And there's two pitfalls. One is that we don't manage our money well, so we spend all of our energy on making enough money to survive. And our focus goes there so that we can't take hold of the things that matter in life. The other pitfall is that we've made way more than we need and we spend all of our money on all those things that we want and it distracts us from taking hold of that which is truly life. So use your money in a way that the end result will be you're fully alive in Jesus. So we've come to the end of thinking about money for three weeks. Uh, What I hope is at the end of this is that you feel a strong calling to give your whole self to Jesus. Everything you have. Make him Lord of everything. And I have a, a question I think that we ought, to, we ought to think every dollar bill we pick up. The question would be, how do you want to spend this money? But the trick is, you don't ask yourself that. You ask God that. Everything you have, you say, God, how do you 
want to use this money. I want to use this money in a way that partners in you with what your, your plan is. That I can actually be doing the work of God with this money. So rather than asking self, how do you want to use this? Ask God, how do you want to use this? And then by using this, I'll be doing your work. And here's how we're going to close our time together. We have a song that uh, we invite all of you to sing with us about giving everything we have to God. So as the song leaders come up to lead, I invite you to stand and turn to um, 572, to hymn 572, and let this be a conclusion to our three weeks of Focus on Money, where you can give your full self to God. 572.